0: persuasion by jane austen chapter five on the morning appointed for admiral and mrs croft's seeing kellynitch hall Anne found it most natural to take her almost daily walk to lady russell's and keep out of the way till all was over when she found it most natural to be sorry that she had missed the opportunity of seeing them this meeting of the two parties proved highly satisfactory and decided the whole business at once each lady was previously well disposed for an agreement and saw nothing therefore, but good manners in the other and with regard to the gentleman there was such an hearty good humour such an open trusting liberality on the admiral's side as could not but influence sir walter who had besides been flattered into his very best and most polished behaviour by mr shepherd's assurances of his being known by report to the admiral as a model of good breeding the house and grounds and furniture were approved the crofts were approved terms time everything and everybody was right and mr shepherd's clerks were set to work without there having been a single preliminary difference to modify of all that this indenture showeth sir walter without hesitation declared the admiral to be the best-looking sailor he had ever met with and went so far as to say that if his own man might have had the arranging of his hair he should not be ashamed of being seen with him anywhere and the admiral with sympathetic cordiality observed to his wife as they drove back through the park i thought we should soon come to a deal my dear in spite of what they told us at tomden the baronet will never set the thames on fire but there seems to be no harm in him reciprocal compliments which would have been esteemed about equal the crofts were to have possession at michaelmas and as sir walter proposed removing to bath in the course of the preceding month there was no time to be lost in making every dependent arrangement lady russell convinced that anne would not be allowed to be of any use or any importance in the choice of the house which they were going to secure was very unwilling to have her hurried away so soon and wanted to make it possible for her to stay behind till she might convey her to bath herself after christmas but having engagements of her own which must take her from kellynitch for several weeks she was unable to give the full invitation she wished and anne though dreading the possible heats of september in all the white glare of bath and grieving to forego all the influence so sweet and so sad of the autumnal months in the country did not think that everything considered she wished to remain it would be most right and most wise and therefore must involve least suffering to go with the others something occurred however to give her a different duty mary often a little unwell and always thinking a great deal of her own complaints and always in the habit of claiming Anne when anything was the matter was indisposed and foreseeing that she should not have a day's health all the autumn entreated or rather required her for it was hardly entreaty to come to uppercross cottage and bear her company as long as she should want her instead of going to bath i cannot possibly do without Anne," was mary's reasoning and elizabeth's reply was then i am sure Anne had better stay for nobody will want her in bath to be claimed as a good though in an improper style is at least better than being rejected as no good at all and Anne, glad to be thought of some use glad to have anything marked out as a duty and certainly not sorry to have the scene of it in the country and her own dear country readily agreed to stay this invitation of Mary's removed all Lady Russell's difficulties, and it was consequently soon settled that Anne should not go to bath till Lady Russell took her, and that all the intervening time should be divided between Upper Cross Cottage and kellynitch Lodge. So far, all was perfectly right, but Lady Russell was almost startled by the wrong of one part of the Kellynitch Hall plan when it burst on her, which was Mrs. Clay's being engaged to go to bath with Sir Walter and Elizabeth as a most important and valuable assistant to the latter in all the business before her lady russell was extremely sorry that such a measure should have been resorted to at all wondered grieved and feared and the affront it contained to anne in mrs clay's being of so much use while anne could be of none was a very sore aggravation anne herself was become hardened to such affronts but she felt the imprudence of the arrangement quite as keenly as lady russell with a great deal of quiet observation and a knowledge which she often wished less of her father's character she was sensible that results the most serious to his family from the intimacy were more than possible she did not imagine that her father had at present an idea of the kind mrs clay had freckles and a projecting tooth and a clumsy wrist which he was continually making severe remarks upon in her absence but she was young and certainly altogether well-looking and possessed in an acute mind and assiduous pleasing manners infinitely more dangerous attractions than any merely personal might have been anne was so impressed by the degree of their danger that she could not excuse herself from trying to make it perceptible to her sister she had little hope of success but elizabeth who in the event of such a reverse would be so much more to be pitied than herself should never she thought have reason to reproach her for giving no warning she spoke and seemed only to offend elizabeth could not conceive how such an absurd suspicion should occur to her and indignantly answered for each party's perfectly knowing their situation mrs clay said she warmly never forgets who she is and as i am rather better acquainted with her sentiments than you can be i can assure you that upon the subject of marriage they are particularly nice and that she reprobates all inequality a condition and rank more strongly than most people and as to my father i really should not have thought that he who has kept himself single so long for our sakes need to be suspected now if mrs clay were a very beautiful woman i grant you it might be wrong to have her so much with me not that anything in the world i am sure would induce my father to make a degrading match but he might be rendered unhappy but poor mrs clay who with all her merits can never have been reckoned tolerably pretty i really think poor mrs clay may be staying here in perfect safety one would imagine you had never heard my father speak of her personal misfortunes though i know you must fifty times that tooth of hers and those freckles freckles do not disgust me so very much as they do him i have known a face not materially disfigured by a few but he optimates them you must have heard him notice mrs clay's freckles there is hardly any personal defect replied anne which in an agreeable manner might not gradually reconcile one to i think very differently answered elizabeth shortly an agreeable manner may set off handsome features but can never alter plain ones however at any rate as i have a great deal more at stake on this point than anybody else can have i think it rather unnecessary in you to be advising me anne had done glad that it was over and not absolutely hopeless of doing good elizabeth though resenting the suspicion might yet be made observant by it the last office of the four carriage horses was to draw sir walter miss Elliot, and mrs clay to bath the party drove off in very good spirits sir walter prepared with condescending bows for all the afflicted tenantry and cottagers who might have had a hint to show themselves and anne walked up at the same time in a sort of desolate tranquillity to the lodge where she was to spend the first week her friend was not in better spirits than herself lady russell felt this break-up of the family exceedingly their respectability was as dear to her as her own and a daily intercourse had become precious by habit it was painful to look upon their deserted grounds and still worse to anticipate the new hands they were to fall into and to escape the solitariness and the melancholy of so altered a village and be out of the way when admiral and mrs croft first arrived she determined to make her own absence from home begin when she must give up anne accordingly their removal was made together and anne was set down at uppercross cottage in the first stage of lady russell's journey uppercross was a moderate-sized village which a few years back had been completely in the old english style containing only two houses superior in appearance to those of the yeomen and the laborers the mansion of the squire with its high walls great gates and old trees substantial and unmodernized and the compact tight parsonage enclosed its own neat garden with a vine and pear-tree trained round its casements but upon the marriage of the young squire it had received the improvement of a farm-house elevated into a cottage for his residence in uppercross cottage with its verandah french windows and other prettiness was quite as likely to catch the traveller's eye as the more consistent and considerable aspect and premises of the great house about a quarter of a mile farther on here anne had often been staying she knew the ways of uppercross as well as those of culinage the two families were so continually meeting so much in the habit of running in and out of each other's house at all hours that it was rather a surprise to her to find mary alone but being alone her being unwell and out of spirits was almost a matter of course though better endowed than the elder sister mary had not anne's understanding nor temper while well and happy and properly attended to she had great good humor and excellent spirits but any indisposition sunk her completely she had no resources for solitude and inheriting a considerable share of the Elliot's self-importance was very prone to add to every other distress that of fancying herself neglected and ill-used in person she was inferior to both sisters and had even in her bloom only reached the dignity of being a fine girl she was now lying on the faded sofa of the pretty little drawing-room the once elegant furniture of which had been gradually growing shabby under the influence of four summers and two children and on anne's appearing greeted her with so you are come at last i began to think i should never see you i am so ill i can hardly speak i have not seen a creature the whole morning i am sorry to find you unwell replied anne you sent me such a good account of yourself on thursday yes i made the best of it i always do but i was very far from well at the time and i do not think i was ever so ill in my life as i have been all this morning very unfit to be left alone i am sure suppose i were to be seized of a sudden in some dreadful way and not able to ring the bell so lady russell would not get out i do not think she has been in this house three times this summer anne said what was proper and inquired after her husband oh charles is out shooting I have not seen him since seven o'clock he would go though i told him how ill i was he said he should not stay out long but he has never come back and now it is almost one i assure you i have not seen a soul this whole long morning you have had your little boys with you yes as long as i could bear their noise but they are so unmanageable that they do me more harm than good little charles does not mind a word i say and walter is growing quite as bad well you will soon be better now replied anne cheerfully you know i always cure you when i come how are your neighbors at the great house i can give you no account of them i have not seen one of them to-day except mr musgrove who just stopped and spoke through the window but without getting off his horse and though i told him how ill i was not one of them have been near me it did not happen to suit the miss musgroves i suppose and they never put themselves out of their way you will see them yet perhaps before the morning is gone it is early i never want them i assure you they talk and laugh a great deal too much for me oh anne i am so very unwell it was quite unkind of you not to come on thursday my dear mary recollect what a comfortable account you sent me of yourself you wrote in the cheerfullest manner and said you were perfectly well and in no hurry for me and that being the case you must be aware that my wish would be to remain with lady russell to the last and besides what i felt on her account i have really been so busy have had so much to do that i could not very conveniently have left kelly sooner dear me what can you possibly have to do a great many things i assure you more than i can recollect in a moment but i can tell you some i have been making a duplicate of the catalogue of my father's books and pictures i have been several times in the garden with the mackenzie trying to understand and make him understand which of elizabeth's plants are for lady russell I've had all my own little concerns to arrange, books and music to divide, and all my trunks to repack, from not having understood in time what was intended as to the wagons. And one thing I have to do, Mary, of a more trying nature, going to almost every house in the parish as a sort of take leave, I was told that they wished it, but all these things took up a great deal of time. Oh, well, and, after a moment's pause, but you have never asked me one word about our dinner at the pools yesterday did you go then i have made no inquiries because i concluded you must have been obliged to give up the party oh yes i went i was very well yesterday nothing at all the matter with me till this morning it would have been strange if i had not gone i am very glad you were well enough and i hope you had a pleasant party nothing remarkable one always knows beforehand what the dinner will be and who will be there and it is so very uncomfortable not having a carriage of one's own mr and mrs musgrove took me and we were so crowded they are both so very large and take up so much room and mr musgrove always sits forward so there i was crowded into the back seat with henrietta and Louisa. and i think it very likely that my illness to-day may be owing to it a little further perseverance in patience and forced cheerfulness on Anne's side produced nearly a cure in mary's she could soon sit upright on the sofa and began to hope she might be able to leave it by dinner-time then forgetting to think of it she was at the other end of the room beautifying a nosegay then she ate her cold meat and then she was well enough to propose a little walk where shall we go said she when they were ready i suppose you will not like to call at the great house before they have been to see you i have not the smallest objection on that account replied anne i should never think of standing on such ceremony with people i know so well as mr and mrs musgroves oh but they ought to call upon you as soon as possible they ought to feel what is due to you as my sister however we may as well go and sit with them a little while and when we have that over we can enjoy our walk anne had always thought such a style of intercourse highly imprudent but she had ceased to endeavour to check it from believing that though there were on each side continual subjects of offence, neither family could now do without it to the great house accordingly they went to sit the full half-hour in the old-fashioned square parlour with a small carpet and shining floor to which the present daughters of the house were gradually giving the proper air of confusion by a grand pianoforte and a harp flower-stands and little tables placed in every direction oh could the originals of the portraits against the wainscot, could the gentlemen in brown velvet and the ladies in blue satin have seen what was going on have been conscious of such an overthrow of all order and neatness the portraits themselves seemed to be staring in astonishment The musgroves like their houses were in a state of alteration perhaps of improvement the father and mother were in old english style and the young people in the new mr and mrs musgrove were a very good sort of people friendly and hospitable not much educated and not at all elegant their children had more modern minds and manners there was a numerous family but the only two growing up excepting charles were henrietta and louisa young ladies of nineteen and twenty who had brought from school at the lexer all the usual stock of accomplishments and were now like thousands of other young ladies living to be fashionable, happy, and merry, their dress had every advantage, their faces were rather pretty, their spirits extremely good, their manner unembarrassed and pleasant, they were of consequence at home and favours abroad. Anne always contemplated them as some of the happiest creatures of her acquaintance but still saved as we all are by some comfortable feeling of superiority from wishing for the possibility of exchange she would not have given up her own more elegant and cultivated mind for all their enjoyments and envied them nothing but that seemingly perfect good understanding and agreement together that good-humoured mutual affection of which she had known so little herself with either of her sisters they were received with great cordiality Nothing seemed amiss on the side of the great house family, which was generally, as Anne very well knew, the least to blame. The half hour was chatted away pleasantly enough, and she was not at all surprised at the end of it to have their walking party joined by both of Miss Musgroves ah. and Mary's particular invitation. End of Chapter Five. Recording by Judy Gynan Chapter Six anne had not wanted this visit to upper cross to learn that a removal from one set of people to another though at a distance of only three miles will often include a total change of conversation opinion and idea she had never been staying there before without being struck by it or without wishing that other elliots could have her advantage in seeing how unknown or unconsidered there were the affairs which at kellynitch hall were treated as of such general publicity and pervading interest yet with all this experience she believed she must now submit to feel that another lesson in the art of knowing our own nothingness beyond our own circle was become necessary for her for certainly coming as she did with a heart full of this subject which had been completely occupying both houses in kellynitch for many weeks She had expected rather more curiosity and sympathy than she found in the separate but very similar remark of Mr. and Mrs. Musgrove. So, Miss Anne, Sir Walter and your sister are gone, and what part of Bath do you think they will settle in? And this without much waiting for an answer, or in the young lady's addition of, I hope we shall be in Bath in the winter. But remember, papa, if we do go, we must be in a good situation. None of your Queen Square is for us or in the anxious supplement from mary of upon my word i shall be pretty well off when you are all gone away to be happy at bath she could only resolve to avoid such self-delusion in future and think with heightened gratitude of the extraordinary blessing of having one such truly sympathizing friend as lady russell the mr musgroves had their own game to guard and to destroy their own horses dogs and newspapers to engage them and the females were fully occupied in all the other common subjects of housekeeping neighbors dress dancing and music she acknowledged it to be very fitting that every little social commonwealth should dictate its own matters of discourse and hoped ere long to become a not unworthy member of the one she was now transplanted into with the prospect of spending at least two months at uppercross it was highly incumbent on her to clothe her imagination her memory and all her ideas in as much of uppercross as possible she had no dread of these two months mary was not so repulsive and unsisterly as elizabeth nor so inaccessible to all influence of hers neither was there anything among the other component parts of the cottage inimical to comfort she was always on friendly terms with her brother-in-law and in the children who loved her nearly as well and respected her a great deal more than their mother she had an object of interest amusement and wholesome exertion charles musgrove was civil and agreeable in sense and temper he was undoubtedly superior to his wife but not of powers or conversation or grace to make the past as they were connected together at all a dangerous contemplation though at the same time anne could believe with lady russell that a more equal match might have greatly improved him and that a woman of real understanding might have given more consequence to his character and more usefulness, rationality, and elegance to his habits and pursuits, as it was he did nothing with much zeal but sport, and his time was otherwise trifled away without benefit from books or anything else. He had very good spirits which never seemed much affected by his wife's occasional lowness bore with her unreasonableness, sometimes to Anne's admiration, and upon the whole though there was very often a little disagreement in which she had sometimes more share than she wished being appealed to by both parties they might pass for a happy couple they were always perfectly agreed in the want of more money and a strong inclination for a handsome present from his father but here as on most topics he had the superiority for while mary thought it a great shame that such a present was not made he always contented for his father's having many other uses for his money and a right to spend it as he liked as to the management of their children his theory was much better than his wife's and his practice not so bad i could manage them very well if it were not for mary's interference was what anne often heard him say and had a good deal of faith in it but when listening in turn to mary's reproach of charles spoils the children so that i cannot get them into any order she never had the smallest temptation to say very true one of the least agreeable circumstances of her residence there was her being treated with too much confidence by all parties and being too much in the secret of the complaints of each house known to have some influence with her sisters, she was continually requested or at least receiving hints to exert it beyond what was practical i wish you could persuade mary not to be always fancying herself ill was charles's language and in an unhappy mood thus spoke mary i do believe if charles were to see me dying he would not think there was anything the matter with me i am sure anne if you would you might persuade him that i really am very ill a great deal worse than i ever own mary's declaration was i hate sending the children to the great house though their grandmamma is always wanting to see them for she humours and indulges them to such a degree and gives them so much trash and sweet things that they are sure to come back sick and cross for the rest of the day and mrs musgrove took the first opportunity of being alone with anne to say oh miss anne i cannot help wishing mrs charles had a little of your method with those children they are quite different creatures with you but to be sure in general they are so spoiled it is a pity you cannot put your sister in the way of managing them they are as fine healthy children as ever were seen poor little dears without partiality but mrs charles knows no more how they should be treated bless me how troublesome they are sometimes i assure you miss anne it prevents my wishing to see them at our house so often as i otherwise should i believe mrs charles is not quite pleased with my not inviting them oftener but you know it is very bad to have children with one that one is obligated to be checking every moment don't do this and don't do that or that one can only keep in tolerable order by more cake than is good for them she had this communication moreover from mary mrs musgrove thinks all her servants so steady that it would be high treason to call it in question but i am sure without exaggeration that her upper housemaid and laundry-maid instead of being in their business are gadding about the village all day long i meet them wherever i go and i declare i never go twice into my nursery without seeing something of them if gemma were not the trustiest steadiest creature in the world it would be enough to spoil her for she tells me they are always tempting her to take a walk with them and on mrs musgrove's side it was i make a rule of never interfering in any of my daughter-in-law's concerns for i know it would not do but i shall tell you miss anne because you may be able to set things to rights that I have no very good opinion of Mrs. Charles' nursery-maid. I hear strange stories of her. She is always upon the gad. And from my own knowledge, I can declare she is such a fine-dressing lady that she is enough to ruin any servants she comes near. Mrs. Charles quite swears by her, I know. But I just give you this hint that you may be upon the watch, because if you see anything amiss, you need not be afraid of mentioning it again it was mary's complaint that mrs musgrove was very apt not to give her the precedence that was her due when they dined at the great house with other families and she did not see any reason why she was to be considered so much at home as to lose her place and one day when anne was walking with only the musgroves one of them after talking of rank people of rank and jealousy of rank said i have no scruple of observing to you how nonsensible some persons are about their place because all the world knows how easy and indifferent you are about it but i wish anybody could give mary a hint that it would be a great deal better if she were not so very tenacious especially if she would not be always putting herself forward to take place of mamma nobody doubts her right to have precedence of mamma but it would be more becoming in her not to be always insisting on it it is not that mamma cares about it the least in the world but i know it is taken notice of by many persons how has to set all these matters to rights she could do little more than listen patiently soften every grievance and excuse each to the other give them all hints of the forbearance necessary between such near neighbors and make those hints broadest which were meant for her sister's benefit in all other respects her visit began and proceeded very well her own spirits improved by change of place and subject by being removed three miles from kellynitch mary's ailments lessened by having a constant companion and their daily intercourse with the other family since there was neither superior affection confidence nor employment in the cottage to be interrupted by it was rather an advantage it was certainly carried nearly as far as possible for they met every morning and hardly ever spent an evening asunder but she believed they should not have done so well without the sight of mr and mrs musgrove's respectable forms in the usual places or without the talking laughing and singing of their daughters she played a great deal better than either of the miss musgroves but having no voice no knowledge of the harp and no fond parents to sit by and fancy themselves delighted her performance was little thought of only out of civility or to refresh the others as she was well aware she knew that when she played she was giving pleasure only to herself but this was no new sensation excepting one short period of her life she had never since the age of fourteen never since the loss of her dear mother known the happiness of being listened to or encouraged by any just appreciation or real taste in music she had been always used to feel alone in the world and mr and mrs musgrove's fond partiality for their own daughter's performance and total indifference to any other persons gave her much more pleasure for their sakes than mortification for her own the party at the great house was sometimes increased by other company the neighborhood was not large but the musgroves were visited by everybody and had more dinner-parties and more callers more visitors by invitation and by chance than any other family they were more completely popular the girls were wild for dancing and the evenings ended occasionally in an unpremeditated little ball there was a family of cousins within a walk of Upper Cross in less affluent circumstances who depended on the musgroves for all their pleasures they would come at any time and help play at anything or dance anywhere and anne very much preferring the office of musician to a more active post played country dances to them by the hour together a kindness which always recommended her musical powers to the notice of mr and mrs musgrove more than anything else and often drew this compliment well done miss anne very well done indeed lord bless me how those little fingers of yours fly about so passed the first three weeks michaelmas came and now anne's heart must be in kellynitch again a beloved home made over to others all the precious rooms and furniture groves and prospects beginning to own other eyes and other limbs she could not think of much else on the twenty-ninth of september and she had this sympathetic touch in the evening from mary who on having occasion to note down the day of the month exclaimed dear me is this not the day the crofts were to come to Kellynitch? i am glad i did not think of it before how low it makes me the crofts took possession with true naval alertness and were to be visited mary deplored the necessity for herself nobody knew how much she should suffer she should put it off as long as she could but was not easy till she had talked charles into driving her over on an early day and, and was in a very animated comfortable state of imaginary agitation when she came back anne had very sincerely rejoiced in there being no means of her going she wished however to see the crofts and was glad to be within when the visit was returned they came the master of the house was not at home but the two sisters were together and as it chanced that mrs croft fell to the share of anne while the admiral sat by mary and made himself very agreeable by his good-humoured notice of her little boys she was well able to watch for a likeness and if it failed her in the features to catch it in the voice or in the turn of sentiment and expression mrs croft though neither tall nor fat had a squareness uprightness and vigor of form which gave importance to her person she had bright dark eyes good teeth and altogether an agreeable face though her reddened and weather-beaten complexion the consequence of her having been almost as much at sea as her husband made her seem to have lived some years longer in the world than her real eight-and-thirty her manners were open, easy and decided like one who had no distrust of herself and no doubts of what to do without any approach to coarseness however or any want of good humour anne gave her credit indeed for feelings of great consideration towards herself in all that related to kellynitch and it pleased her especially as she had satisfied herself in the very first half-minute in the instant even of introduction that there was not the smallest symptom of any knowledge or suspicion on mrs croft's side to give a bias of any sort she was quite easy on that head and consequently full of strength and courage till for a moment electrified by mrs Croft's suddenly saying it was you and not your sister i find that my brother had the pleasure of being acquainted with when he was in this country anne hoped she had outlived the age of blushing but the age of emotion she certainly had not perhaps you may not have heard that he is married added mrs croft she could now answer as she ought, and was happy to feel when mrs croft's next words explained It to be Mr. Wentworth of whom she spoke, that she had said nothing which might not do for either brother. She immediately felt how reasonable it was that Mrs. Croft should be thinking and speaking of Edward and not of Frederick, and with shame at her own forgetfulness applied herself to the knowledge of their former neighbor's present state with proper interest. The rest was all tranquillity till, just as they were moving, she heard the Admiral say to Mary, We are expecting a brother of Mrs. Croft's here soon i dare say you know him by name he was cut short by the eager attacks of the little boys clinging to him like an old friend and declaring he should not go and being too much engrossed by proposals of carrying them away in his coat pockets etc to have another moment for finishing or recollecting what he had begun Anne was left to persuade herself as well as she could that the same brother must still be in question she could not however reach such a degree of certainty as not to be anxious to hear whether anything had been said on the subject at the other house where the crofts had previously been calling the folks of the great house were to spend the evening of this day at the cottage and it being now too late in the year for such a visit to be made on foot the coach was beginning to be listened for when the youngest miss musgrove walked in that she was coming to apologize and that they should have to spend the evening by themselves was the first black idea and mary was quite ready to be affronted when louisa made all right by saying that she only came on foot to leave more room for the harp which was bringing in the carriage and i will tell you our reason she added and all about it i am come to give you notice that papa and mamma are out of spirits this evening especially mamma she is thinking so much of poor richard and we agreed it would be best to have the harp for it seems to amuse her more than the pianoforte i will tell you why she is out of spirits when the crofts called this morning they called here afterwards did not they they happened to say that her brother captain wentworth is just returned to england or paid off or something and is coming to see them most directly and most unluckily it came into mamma's head when they were gone that wentworth or something very like it was the name of poor richard's captain at one time i do not know when or where but a great while before he died poor fellow and upon looking over his letters and things she found it was so and is perfectly sure that this must be the very man and her head is quite full of it and of poor richard so we must be as merry as we can that she may not be dwelling upon such gloomy things the real circumstances of this pathetic piece of family history were that the musgroves have had the ill fortune of a very troublesome hopeless son and the good fortune to lose him before he reached his twentieth year that he had been sent to sea because he was stupid and unmanageable unsure that he had been very little cared for at any time by his family though quite as much as he deserved seldom heard of and scarcely at all regretted when the intelligence of his death abroad had worked its way to uppercross two years before he had in fact though his sisters were now doing all they could for him by calling him poor richard been nothing better than a thick-headed unfeeling unprofitable dick musgrove who had never done anything to entitle himself to more than abbreviation of his name living or dead he had been several years at sea and had in the course of those removals to which all midshipmen are liable and especially such midshipmen as every captain wishes to get rid of been six months on board captain frederick wentworth's frigate the laconia and from the laconia he had under the influence of his captain written the only two letters which his father and mother had ever received from him during the whole of his absence that is to say the only two disinterested letters all the rest had been mere applications for money in each letter he had spoken well of his captain but yet so little were they in the habit of attending to such matters so unobservant and incurious were they as to the names of men or ships that it had made scarcely any impression at the time and that mrs musgrove should have been suddenly struck this very day with a recollection of the name of wentworth as connected with her son seemed one of those extraordinary bursts of mind which do sometimes occur she had gone to her letters and found it all as she supposed and the reperusal of these letters after so long an interval her poor son gone for ever and all the strength of his faults forgotten had affected her spirits exceedingly and thrown her into greater grief for him than she had known on first hearing of his death mr musgrove was in a lesser degree affected likewise and when they reached the cottage they were evidently in want first of being listened to anew on this subject and afterwards of all the relief which cheerful companions could give them to hear them talking so much of captain wentworth repeating his name so often puzzling over past years and at last ascertaining that it might that it probably would turn out to be the very same captain wentworth whom they recollected meeting once or twice after their coming back from clifton a very fine young man but they could not say whether it was seven or eight years ago was a new sort of trial to anne's nerves she found however that it was one to which she must inure herself since he actually was expected in the country she must teach herself to be insensible on such points and not only did it appear that he was expected and speedily but the musgroves in their warm gratitude for the kindness he had shown poor dick and very high respect for his character stamped as it was by poor dick's having been six months under his care and mentioning him in strong though not perfectly well spelt praise as a fine dashing fellow only too particular about the schoolmaster were bent on introducing themselves and seeking his acquaintance as soon as they could hear of his arrival the resolution of doing so helped to form the comfort of their evening End of chapter six persuasion by jane austen chapter seven a very few days more and captain wentworth was known to be at kellynitch and mr musgrove had called on him and come back warm in his praise and he was engaged with the crofts to dine at uppercross by the end of another week it had been a great disappointment to mr musgrove to find that no earlier day could be fixed so impatient was he to show his gratitude by seeing captain wentworth under his own roof and welcoming him to all that was strongest and best in his cellars but a week must pass only a week in anne's reckoning and then she supposed they must meet and soon she began to wish that she could feel secure even for a week captain wentworth made a very early return to mr musgrove's civility and she was all but calling there in the same half hour she and mary were actually setting forward for the great house where as she afterwards learnt they must inevitably have found him when they were stopped by the eldest boys being at that moment brought home in consequence of a bad fall The child's situation put the visit entirely aside, but she could not hear of her escape with indifference, even in the midst of the serious anxiety which they afterwards felt on his account. His collarbone was found to be dislocated, and such injury received in the back as roused the most alarming ideas. It was an afternoon of distress, and Anne had everything to do at once. The apothecary to send for, the father to have pursued and informed the mother to support and keep from hysterics the servants to control the youngest child to banish and the poor-suffering one to attend and soothe besides sending as soon as she recollected it proper notice to the other house which brought her an accession rather of frightened inquiring companions than of very useful assistance her brother's return was the first comfort he could take best care of his wife and the second blessing was the arrival of the apothecary till he came and had examined the child their apprehensions were the worse for being vague they suspected great injury but knew not where but now the collar-bone was soon replaced and though mr robinson felt and felt and rubbed and looked grave and spoke low words both to the father and the aunt still they were all to hope the best and to be able to part and eat their dinner in tolerable ease of mind and then it was just before they parted that the two young aunts were able so far to digress from their nephew's state as to give the information of captain wentworth's visit staying five minutes behind their father and mother to endeavour to express how perfectly delighted they were with him how much handsomer how infinitely more agreeable they thought him than any individual among their male acquaintance who had been at all a favorite before how glad they had been to hear papa invite him to stay dinner how sorry when he said it was quite out of his power and how glad again when he had promised in reply to papa and mamma's farther pressing invitations to come and dine with them on the morrow actually on the morrow and he had promised it in so pleasant a manner as if he felt all the motive of their attention just as he ought and in short he had looked and said everything with such exquisite grace that they could assure them all their heads were both turned by him and off they ran quite as full of glee as of love and apparently more full of captain wentworth than of little charles the same story and the same raptures were repeated when the two girls came with their father through the gloom of the evening to make inquiries and mr musgrove no longer under the first uneasiness about his heir could add this confirmation and praise and hope there would now be no occasion for putting captain wentworth off and only be sorry to think that the cottage party probably would not like to leave the little boy to give him the meeting oh no as to leaving the little boy both father and mother were in much too strong and recent alarm to bear the thought and anne in the joy of the escape could not help adding her warm prostitutions to theirs charles musgrove indeed afterwards showed more of inclination the child was going on so well and he wished so much to be introduced to captain wentworth that perhaps he might join them in the evening he would not dine from home but he might walk in for half an hour but in this he was eagerly opposed by his wife with oh no indeed charles i cannot bear to have you go away only think if anything should happen the child had a good night and was going on well the next day it must be a work of time to ascertain that no injury had been done to the spine but mr robinson found nothing to increase alarm and charles musgrove began consequently to feel no necessity for longer confinement the child was to be kept in bed and amused as quietly as possible but what was there for a father to do this was quite a female case and it would be highly absurd in him who could be of no use at home to shut himself up his father very much wished for him to meet captain wentworth and there being no sufficient reason against it he ought to go and it ended in his making a bold public declaration when he came in from shooting of his meaning to dress directly and dine at the other house nothing can be going on better than the child said he so i told my father just now that i would come and he thought me quite right your sister being with you my love i have no scruple at all you would not like to leave him yourself but you see i can be of no use anne will send for me if anything is the matter husbands and wives generally understand when opposition will be vain mary knew from charles manner of speaking that he was quite determined on going and that it would be of no use to tease him she said nothing therefore till he was out of the room but as soon as there was only anne to hear so you and i are to be left to shift by ourselves with this poor sick child and not a creature coming near us all the evening i knew how it would be this is always my luck if there is anything disagreeable going on men are always sure to get out of it and charles is as bad as any of them very unfeeling i must say it is very unfeeling of him to be running away from his poor little boy talks of his being going on so well How does he know that he is going on well, or that there may not be a sudden change half an hour hence? I did not think Charles would have been so unfeeling. So Harry is to go away and enjoy himself, and because I am the poor mother, I am not to be allowed to stir. And yet I am sure I am more unfit than anybody else to be about the child. My being the mother is the very reason why my feelings should not be tried. I am not at all equal to it you saw how hysterical i was yesterday but that was only the effect of the suddenness of your alarm of the shock you will not be hysterical again i dare say we shall have nothing to distress us i perfectly understand mr robinson's directions and have no fears and indeed mary i cannot wonder at your husband nursing does not belong to a man it is not his province a sick child is always the mother's property her own feelings generally make it so i hope i am as fond of my child as any mother but i do not know that i am of any more use in the sick-room than charles for i cannot be always scolding and teasing the poor child when it is ill and as you saw this morning that if i told him to keep quiet he was sure to begin kicking about i have not nerves for the sort of thing but could you be comfortable yourself to be spending the whole evening away from the poor boy yes you see as papa can and why should not i Gemma is so careful and she could send us word every hour how he was i really think charles might as well have told his father we would all come i am not more alarmed about little charles now than he is i was dreadfully alarmed yesterday but the case is very different to-day well if you do not think it too late to give notice for yourself suppose you were to go as well as your husband leave little charles to my care mr and mrs musgrove cannot think it wrong while i remain with him are you serious cried mary her eyes brightening dear me that's a very good thought very good indeed to be sure i may just as well go as not for i am of no use at home am i and it only harasses me you who have not a mother's feelings are a great deal the properest person you can make little charles do anything he always minds you at a word it will be a great deal better than leaving him only with Gemma." oh i shall certainly go i am sure i ought if i can quite as much as charles for they want me excessively to be acquainted with captain wentworth and i know you do not mind being left alone an excellent thought of yours indeed anne i will go and tell charles and get ready directly you can send for us you know at a moment's notice if anything is the matter but i dare say there will be nothing to alarm you i should not go you may be sure if i do not feel quite at ease about my dear child the next moment she was tapping at her husband's dressing-room door and as anne followed her upstairs she was in time for the whole conversation which began with mary saying in a tone of great exultation i mean to go with you charles for i am of no more use at home than you are if i were to shut myself up for ever with the child i should not be able to persuade him to do anything he did not like anne will stay anne undertakes to stay at home and take care of him it is anne's own proposal and so i shall go with you which will be a great deal better for i have not dined at the other house since tuesday this is very kind of anne was her husband's answer and i should be very glad to have you go but it seems rather hard that she should be left at home by herself to nurse our sick child anne was now at hand to take up her own cause and the sincerity of her manner being soon sufficient to convince him where conviction was at least very agreeable he had no farther scruples as to her being left to dine alone though he still wanted her to join them in the evening when the child might be at rest for the night and kindly urged her to let him come and fetch her but she was quite unpersuadable and this being the case she had ere long the pleasure of seeing them set off together in high spirits they were gone she hoped to be happy however oddly constructed such happiness might seem as for herself she was left with as many sensations of comfort as were perhaps ever likely to be hers she knew herself to be of the first utility to the child and what was it to her if frederick wentworth were only a half-mile distant making himself agreeable to others she would have liked to know how he felt as to a meeting perhaps indifferent if indifference could exist under such circumstances he must be either indifferent or unwilling had he wished ever to see her again he need not have waited till this time he would have done what she could not but believed that in his place she should have done long ago when events had been early giving him the independence which alone had been wanting her brother and sister came back delighted with their new acquaintance and their visit in general there had been music singing talking laughing all that was most agreeable charming manners in captain wentworth no shyness or reserve they seemed all to know each other perfectly and he was coming the very next morning to shoot with charles he was to come to breakfast but not at the cottage though that had been proposed at first but then he had been pressed to come to the great house instead and he seemed afraid of being in mrs charles musgrove's way on account of the child and therefore somehow they hardly knew how it ended in charles being to meet him to breakfast at his father's anne understood it he wished to avoid seeing her he had inquired after her she found slightly as might suit a former slight acquaintance seeming to acknowledge such as she had acknowledged actuated perhaps by the same view of escaping introduction when they were to meet the morning hours of the cottage were always later than those of the other house and on the morrow the difference was so great that mary and anne were not more than beginning breakfast when charles came in to say that they were just setting off that he had come for his dogs that his sisters were following with captain wentworth his sisters meaning to visit mary and the child and captain wentworth proposing also to wait on her for a few minutes if not inconvenient and though charles had answered for the child's being in no such state as could make it inconvenient captain wentworth would not be satisfied without his running on to give notice mary very much gratified by this attention was delighted to receive him while a thousand feelings rushed on anne of which this was the most consoling that it would soon be over and it was soon over in two minutes after charles preparation the others appeared they were in the drawing-room her eye half met captain wentworth's a bow a curtsey passed she heard his voice he talked to mary said all that was right said something to the miss musgroves enough to mark an easy footing the room seemed full full of persons and voices but a few minutes ended it charles showed himself at the window all was ready their visitor had bowed and was gone the miss musgroves were gone too suddenly resolving to walk to the end of the village with the sportsman the room was cleared and anne might finish her breakfast as she could it is over it is over she repeated to herself again and again in nervous gratitude the worst is over mary talked but she could not attend she had seen him they had met they had been once more in the same room soon however she began to reason with herself and tried to be feeling less eight years almost eight years had passed since all had been given up how absurd to be resuming the agitation which such an interval had banished into distance and indistinctness what might not eight years do events of every description changes alienations removals all all must be comprised in it an oblivion of the past how natural how certain too it included nearly a third part of her own life alas with all her reasoning she found that to retentive feelings eight years may be little more than nothing now how were his sentiments to be read was this like wishing to avoid her and the next moment she was hating herself for the folly which asked the question on one other question which perhaps her utmost wisdom might not have prevented she was soon spared all suspense for after the miss musgroves had returned and finished their visit at the cottage she had this spontaneous information from mary captain wentworth is not very gallant by you anne though he was so attentive to me henrietta asked him what he thought of you when they went away and he said you were so altered he should not have known you again mary had no feelings to make her respect her sisters in a common way but she was perfectly unsuspicious of being inflicting any particular wound altered beyond his knowledge and fully submitted in silent deep mortification doubtless it was so and she could take no revenge for he was not altered or not for the worse she had already acknowledged it to herself and she could not think differently let him think of her as he would No, the years which had destroyed her youth and bloom had only given him a more glowing manly open look in no respect lessening his personal advantages she had seen the same frederick wentworth so altered that he should not have known her again these were words which could not but dwell with her yet she soon began to rejoice that she had heard them they were of sobering tendency they allayed agitation they composed and consequently must make her happier frederick wentworth had used such words or something like them but without an idea that they would be carried round to her he had thought her wretchedly altered and in the first moment of appeal had spoken as he felt he had not forgiven anne Elliot. she had used him ill deserted and disappointed him and worse she had shown a feebleness of character in doing so which his own decided confident temper could not endure she had given him up to oblige others it had been the effect of over persuasion it had been weakness and timidity he had been most warmly attached to her and had never seen a woman since whom he thought her equal but except from some natural sensation of curiosity he had no desire of meeting her again her power with him was gone forever it was now his object to marry he was rich and being turned on shore fully intended to settle as soon as he could be properly tempted actually looking round ready to fall in love with all the speed which a clear head and quick taste could allow he had a heart for either of the miss musgroves if they could catch it a heart in short for any pleasing young woman who came in his way excepting anne Elliot. this was his only secret exception when he said to his sister in answer to her suppositions yes here i am sophia quite ready to make a foolish match anybody between fifteen and thirty may have me for asking a little beauty and a few smiles and a few compliments to the navy and i am a lost man should not this be enough for a sailor who has had no society among women to make him nice he said it she knew to be contradicted his bright proud eyes spoke the conviction that he was nice and anne Elliot was not out of his thoughts when he more seriously described the woman he should wish to meet with a strong mind with sweetness of manner made the first and last of the description that is the woman i want said he something a little inferior i shall of course put up with but it must not be much if i am a fool i shall be a fool indeed for i have thought on the subject more than most men end of chapter seven chapter eight from this time captain wentworth and anne Elliot were repeatedly in the same circle they were soon dining in company together at mr musgrove's for the little boy's state could no longer supply his aunt with a pretense for absenting herself and this was but the beginning of other dinings and other meetings whether former feelings were to be renewed must be brought to the proof former times must undoubtedly be brought to the recollection of each they could not but be reverted to the year of their engagement could not but be named by him in the little narratives or descriptions which conversation called forth his profession qualified him his disposition led him to talk and that was in the year six that happened before i went to sea in the year six occurred in the course of the first evening they spent together and though his voice did not falter and though she had no reason to suppose his eye wandered towards her while he spoke anne felt the utter impossibility from her knowledge of his mind that he could be unvisited by remembrance any more than herself there must be the same immediate association of thought though she was very far from conceiving it to be of equal pain they had no conversation together no intercourse but what the commonest civility required once so much to each other now nothing there had been a time when of all the large party now filling the drawing-room at Upper Cross they would have found it most difficult to cease to speak to one another with the exception perhaps of admiral and mrs croft who seemed particularly attached and happy and could allow no other exceptions even among the married couples there could have been no two hearts so open no tastes so similar no feelings so in unison no countenances so beloved now they were as strangers nay worse than strangers for they could never become acquainted it was a perpetual estrangement when he talked she heard the same voice and discerned the same mind there was a very general ignorance of all naval matters throughout the party and he was very much questioned and especially by the two miss musgroves who seemed hardly to have any eyes but for him as to the manner of living on board daily regulations food hours etc and their surprise at his accounts at learning the degree of accommodation and arrangement which was practical drew from him some pleasant ridicule which reminded anne of the early days when she too had been ignorant and she too had been accused of supposing sailors to be living on board without anything to eat or any cook to dress it if there were or any servant to wait or any knife and fork to use from thus listening and thinking she was roused by a whisper of mrs musgrove's who overcome by fond regrets could not help saying ah miss anne if it had pleased heaven to spare my poor son i dare say he would have been just such another by this time anne suppressed a smile and listened kindly while mrs musgrove relieved her heart a little more and for a few minutes therefore could not keep pace with the conversation of the others when she could let her attention take its natural course again she found the miss musgroves just fetching the navy list their own navy list the first that had ever been at upper cross and sitting down together to pore over it with the professed view of finding out the ships that captain wentworth had commanded your first was the asp i remember we will look for the asp you will not find her there quite worn out and broken up i was the last man who commanded her hardly fit for service then reported fit for home service for a year or two and so i was sent off to the west indies the girls looked all amazement the admiralty he continued entertain themselves now and then with sending a few hundred men to sea in a ship not fit to be employed but they have a great many to provide for and among the thousands that may just as well go to the bottom as not it is impossible for them to distinguish the very set who may be least missed Foo-foo cried the admiral what stuff these young fellows talk never was a better sloop than the aspiner day for an old built sloop you would not see her equal lucky fellow to get her he knows there must have been twenty better men than himself applying for at the same time lucky fellow to get anything so soon with no more interest than his i felt my luck admiral i assure you replied captain wentworth seriously i was as well satisfied with my appointment as you can desire it was a great object with me at the time to be at sea a very great object i wanted to be doing something to be sure you did what should a young fellow like you do ashore for half a year together if a man had not a wife he soon wants to be afloat again but captain Wentworth cried louisa how vexed you must have been when you came to the Ast to see what an old thing they had given you i knew pretty well what she was before that day said he smiling i had no more discoveries to make than you would have to the fashion and strength of any old fleece which you had seen lent about among half your acquaintance ever since you could remember and which at last on some very wet day is lent to yourself ah she was a dear old ass to me she did all i wanted i knew she would i knew that we should either go to the bottom together or that she would be the making of me and i never had two days of foul weather all the time i was at sea in her and after taking privateers enough to be very entertaining i had the good luck in my passage home the next autumn to fall in with the very french frigate i wanted i brought her into plymouth and here another instance of luck we had not been six hours in the sound when a gale came on which lasted four days and nights and which would have done for poor old asp in half the time our touch with the great nation not having much improved our condition four-and-twenty hours later and i should only have been a gallant captain wentworth in a small paragraph at one corner of the newspapers and being lost in only a sloop nobody would have thought about me anne's shudderings were to herself alone but the miss musgroves could be as open as they were sincere in their exclamations of pity and horror and so then i suppose said mrs musgrove in a low voice as if thinking aloud so then he went away to the laconia and there he met with our poor boy charles my dear beckoning him to her do ask captain wentworth where it was he first met with your poor brother i always forgot it was at gibraltar mother i know dick had been left ill at gibraltar with a recommendation from his former captain to captain wentworth oh but charles tell captain wentworth he need not be afraid of mentioning poor dick before me for it would be rather a pleasure to hear him talked of by such a good friend charles being somewhat more mindful of the probabilities of the case only nodded in reply and walked away the girls were now hunting for the laconia and captain wentworth could not deny himself the pleasure of taking the precious volume into his own hands to save them the trouble and once more read aloud the little statement of her name and rate and present non-commissioned class observing over it that she too had been one of the best friends man ever had ah those were pleasant days when i had the laconia how fast i made money in her a friend of mine and i had such a lovely cruise together off the western islands poor Harville's sister you know how much he wanted money worse than myself he had a wife excellent fellow i shall never forget his happiness he felt it all so much for her sake i wished for him again the next summer when i had still the same luck in the mediterranean and i am sure sir said mrs musgrove it was a lucky day for us when you were put captain into that ship we shall never forget what you did her feelings made her speak low and captain wentworth hearing only in part and probably not having dick musgrove at all near his thoughts looked rather in suspense and as if waiting for more my brother whispered one of the girls mamma is thinking of poor richard poor dear fellow continued mrs musgrove he was grown so steady and such an excellent correspondent while he was under your care i would have been a happy thing if he had never left you i assure you captain wentworth we are very sorry he ever left you there was a momentary expression in captain wentworth's face at this speech a certain glance of his bright eye and curl of his handsome mouth which convinced anne that instead of sharing in mrs musgrove's kind wishes as to her son he had probably been at some pains to get rid of him but it was too transient an indulgence of self amusement to be detected by any who understood him less than herself in another moment he was perfectly collected and serious and almost instantly afterwards coming up to the sofa on which she and mrs musgrove were sitting took a place by the latter and entered into conversation with her in a low voice about her son doing it with so much sympathy and natural grace as showed the kindest consideration for all that was real and unobserved in the parents feelings they were actually on the same sofa for mrs musgrove had most readily made room for him they were divided only by mrs musgrove it was no insignificant barrier indeed mrs musgrove was of a comfortable substantial size infinitely more fitted by nature to express good cheer and good humor than tenderness and sentiment and while the agitations of anne's slender form and pensive face may be considered as very completely screened captain wentworth should be allowed some credit for the self-command with which he attended to her large fat sighings over the destiny of a son whom alive nobody had cared for personal size and mental sorrow have certainly no necessary proportions a large bulky figure has as good a right to be in deep affliction as the most graceful set of limbs in the world but fair or not fair there are unbecoming conjunctions which reason will patronize in vain which taste cannot tolerate which ridicule will seize the admiral after taking two or three refreshing turns about the room with his hands behind him being called to order by his wife now came up to captain wentworth and without any observation of what he might be interrupting thinking only of his own thoughts began with if you had been a week later at lisbon last spring frederick you would have been asked to give a passage to lady mary greeson and her daughters should i i am glad i was not a week later then the admiral abused him for his want of gallantry he defended himself though professing that he would never willingly admit any ladies on board a ship of his excepting for a ball or a visit which a few hours might comprehend but if i know myself said he this is from no want of gallantry towards them it is rather from feeling how impossible it is with all one's efforts and all one's sacrifices to make the accommodations on board such as women ought to have there can be no want of gallantry admiral in rating the claims of women to every personal comfort high and this is what i do i hate to hear of women on board or to see them on board and no ship under my command shall ever convey a family of ladies anywhere if i can help it this brought his sister upon him oh frederick but i cannot believe it of you all idle refinement women may be as comfortable on board as in the best house in england i believe i have lived as much on board as most women and i know nothing superior to the accommodations of a man-of-war i declare i have not a comfort or an indulgence about me even at kellynitch hall with a kind bow to anne beyond what i always had in most of the ships i have lived in and they have been five altogether nothing to the purpose replied her brother you were living with your husband and were the only woman on board but you yourself brought mrs harville her sister her cousin and three children round from portsmouth to plymouth where was this superfine extraordinary sort of gallantry of yours then all merged in my friendship sophia i would assist any brother officer's wife that i could and i would bring anything of harville's from the world's end if he wanted it but do not imagine that i did not feel it an evil in itself depend upon it they were all perfectly comfortable i might not like them the better for that perhaps such a number of women and children have no right to be comfortable on board my dear frederick you are talking quite idly pray what would become of us poor sailors wives who often want to be conveyed to one port or another after our husbands if everybody had your feelings my feelings you see did not prevent my taking mrs harville and all her family to plymouth but i hate to hear you talking so like a fine gentleman and as if women were all fine ladies instead of rational creatures we none of us expect to be in smooth water all our days ah my dear said the admiral when he had got a wife he will sing a different tune when he is married if we have the good luck to live to another war we shall see him do as you and i and a great many others have done we shall have him very thankful to anybody that will bring him his wife ay that we shall now i have done cried captain wentworth when once married people begin to attack me with oh you will think very differently when you are married i can only say no i shall not and then say again yes you will and there is the end of it he got up and moved away what a great traveller you must have been ma'am said mrs musgrove to mrs croft pretty well ma'am in the fifteen years of my marriage though many women have done more i have crossed the atlantic four times and have been once to the east indies and back again and only once besides being in different places about home cork and lisbon and gibraltar but i never went beyond the straits and never was in the west indies we do not call bermuda or bahama you know the west indies mrs musgrove had not a word to say in dissent she could not accuse herself of having ever called them anything in the whole course of her life and i do assure you ma'am pursued mrs croft that nothing can exceed the accommodations of a man-o'-war i speak you know of the higher rates when you come to a frigate of course you are more confined though any reasonable woman may be perfectly happy in one of them and i can safely say that the happiest part of my life has been spent on board a ship while we were together you know there was nothing to be feared thank god i have always been blessed with excellent health and no climate disagrees with me a little disordered always the first twenty-four hours of going to sea but never knew what sickness was afterwards the only time i ever really suffered in body or mind the only time that i ever fancied myself unwell or had any ideas of danger was the winter that i passed by myself at deal when the admiral captain croft then was in the north seas i lived in perpetual fright at that time and had all manner of imaginary complaints from not knowing what to do with myself or when i should hear from him next but as long as we could be together nothing ever ailed me and i never met with the smallest inconvenience i to be sure yes indeed oh yes i am quite of your opinion mrs croft was mrs musgrove's hearty answer there is nothing so bad as a separation i am quite of your opinion i know what it is for mr musgrove always attends the assizes and i am so glad when they are over and he is safe back again The evening ended with dancing on its being proposed anne offered her services as usual and though her eyes would sometimes fill with tears as she sat at the instrument she was extremely glad to be employed and desired nothing in return but to be unobserved it was a merry joyous party and no one seemed in higher spirits than captain wentworth she felt that he had everything to elevate him which general attention and deference and especially the attention of all the young women could do the miss haters the females of the family of cousins already mentioned were apparently admitted to the honor of being in love with him and as for henriette and louisa they both seemed so entirely occupied by him that nothing but the continued appearance of the most perfect good-will between themselves could have made it credible that they were not decided rivals if he were a little spoiled by such universal such eager admiration who could wonder these were some of the thoughts which occupied anne while her fingers were mechanically at work proceeding for half an hour together equally without air and without consciousness once she felt that he was looking at herself observing her altered features perhaps trying to trace in them the ruins of the face which had once charmed him and once she knew that he must have spoken of her she was hardly aware of it till she heard the answer but then she was sure of his having asked his partner whether miss Elliot ever danced the answer was oh no never she has quite given up dancing she had rather play she is never tired of playing once too he spoke to her she had left the instrument on the dancing being over and he had sat down to try to make out an air which he wished to give the miss musgroves an idea of unintentionally she returned to that part of the room he saw her and instantly rising said with studied politeness i beg your pardon madame this is your seat and though she immediately drew back with a decided negative he was not to be induced to sit down again anne did not wish for more of such looks and speeches his cold politeness his ceremonious grace were worse than anything chapter eight